The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Friends. Welcome to the show. This is the Boys of Tech episode 195 for Monday the 10th of December 2012. My name is Edwin Herman. I'm in the studio here in Wellington. And in fact, I'm the only uh, panellist this week uh, because Brett is unavailable and we we haven't had Cameron Collie on for goodness knows how long. Uh, Al is also unavailable and Ben Sunko, I haven't had him on for a while either. So in any event, I'll still go through a few stories because although there weren't any groundbreaking, earth-shattering stories, we do have a few little bits and pieces, so we'll go through them now. But before I do, just looking at my iPod here, I added a new song and... I tend to like the, the radio edits of the songs. I guess that's how you know them because they're on the radio. And the the, uh, the other versions always tend to sound odd because, you know, you, typically they're not the first versions of the songs that you hear. But this one here I like much better. It's uh, a French-Canadian band by the name of Simple Plan. And they do a song called uh, Summer Paradise. You probably know it. And they've just released or recently released a remix and it sounds very similar. It's not like, you know, typically when you think remix, you think you know, a, a very different beat, some extra stuff going on. It's not like that. But what it does is uh, instead of that sort of forced rap that they do three quarters of the way through, there's there's more of a, a Jamaican sounding rap that, that replaces the the forced white guy rap that's made to sound like American gangster rap or however you describe it. In any event, I think it's better. You should check it out. And they're a great band too. I've only just recently discovered them. Simple Plan from Canada. Yeah, French Canadians. Very nice. So I've got that on my iPod at the moment. And strangely enough, I also seem to have accidentally added... I won't tell you how this happened. But I accidentally added the Itchy and Scratchy Show. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's the... The show in a show. It's a TV show in The Simpsons. And this, I accidentally managed to add that to my uh, iPod. So it's, I kind of got to do an update so it takes it back off because I, I don't tend to listen to that. It was more for comical value that I have the song and I never meant to put it on the iPod. But yeah, anyway. So we're going to get into the stories. That's enough about my iPod. We'll go into the stories that we've got. First of all, News Corp. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, Rupert Murdoch's uh, empire, if you like. They're going to shut down the uh, iPad newspaper, The Daily. You may recall they released, uh, when was it? Was it a couple of years back? Whenever it was? Whenever it was, anyway. They, they released this iPad-only version of a newspaper called The Daily. They were kind of hoping that they'd get a lot of subscribers to make it worthwhile, and unfortunately that's what's, uh, what hasn't happened. They've only reached 100,000 subscribers, which is really not a lot when you think about it. And, you know, even with the, the low overhead costs of doing a, an online production, it's, according to News Corp, it's just not worth carrying on with it. Now, rumours of its closure were around for a while, but 
And they kept telling us to ignore those. And I was like, oh, no, that isn't anything like that. But indeed, it's been announced. And that is the end of that. Interestingly enough, Apple was a prominent and visible supporter of the project. And Jim Roberts, a senior executive at the New York Times, says that that was a rare miscalculation by Apple. And if you think about it, I mean, Apple normally, they don't always get it right. You know, they've made mistakes. I mean, Antenna Gate, uh, Apple Maps. And in fact, we've got another story coming up as well about a, an Apple slip-up that's coming up a little bit later on. But, uh, you know, overall, they they usually calculate things pretty well. And they usually know what to take a punt on and, uh, you know, what to leave out. And this is definitely one that, where they, you know, they got that a little bit wrong. But that's okay. I mean, it's no harm to to apple really i mean it wasn't uh it wasn't apple branded or or anything like that it's just that uh you know apple were were, were very strongly supportive of of this uh product okay windows 8 how's that doing well apparently uh, it's not really exciting us consumers you know it hasn't really done a lot in terms of sales when you look at windows 8 it is very slow now it hasn't been helped by the fact that desktop and laptop sales have fallen in fact, laptop sales fell 24%. This is compared to the same time last year. And desktop sales fell by 9%. So it's quite a, a drop. Uh, so that's probably not helping. But even so, Windows 8 has barely made a dent. You know, Windows 8 tablets are virtually non-existent. They represent less than 1% of Windows 8 device sales. And I imagine it'd be even less in terms of the, the tablet market itself. And if we compare the same period in 2009, when Windows 7 was also just four weeks old, which is the case now for Windows 8, Windows 7 did a lot better. It had much better market penetration. In fact, to give you some stats, 83% of Windows devices sold had the newest version. So Windows 7 at the time. This year, the figure is 58%. So what's going on? I, I, you know, and also it's interesting to note that Microsoft has halved orders for its Surface RT device. So that tells a, a story and it's a shame for Microsoft because, well, I haven't had a lot of time with Windows 8. I just you know, had a little play around here and there, but I really need to give it some uh, some serious testing. But people are saying good things about it, and it's a shame because Microsoft have done a huge turnaround. They've really turned themselves around. Uh, well, they've had to. I mean, look at the competition with Apple and, and Google's OS. But, you know, it's a shame for Microsoft. In any event, let's see how it plays out. It is early days yet. I mean, you know, you can't really predict a lot, uh, you know, with the uh, using the first four weeks. But at the same time, we can compare it to the same four weeks of Windows 7, and it's just no contest. All right, now Apple have announced, and we've got a couple of Apple stories. First of all, they've announced that they'll be making some Macs, some, you know, Macintosh computers in the US. Well, they'll add, well, assembling Macs in the US. Obviously, the chips and stuff are still going to be made in Asia, but. Yeah, so some of the some Macs will be made in the US. Now, why are Apple doing this? Well, it's believed to be nothing more than a PR move. And the reason for that is that if you look at Apple's sales in terms of units sold, the Mac makes up in fact the Mac is the smallest of the four main product lines. 
To give you an idea, Apple sold 18 million Macs in the past four quarters. And in that same period, they sold 125 million iPhones. So the, the Mac's a low-volume product, and it's, on the grand scheme of things, pretty much irrelevant to shares. So it's believed that this is nothing more than a PR move. And you know they really couldn't do this for, for some of the, the, the high-volume products like the iPhones because they need to, you know, when they bring a new version out, they really need to, to be able to kick production off in a huge way. You know, production rates have to be very high right from the get-go. And the only place where we can achieve that is in huge Chinese manufacturing operations like Foxconn. You know, they've got they've got hundreds of thousands of workers there, right? And they, they house them in dormitories on site. And if they need to, or, you know, when they need to, they just pour hundreds of thousands of, of workers onto the uh, production line and away they go. And there's, there's just no comparison. You just can't match that in the States. But, uh, yeah, anyway, will the new iMacs that are being assembled in the US, will they be... Uh, will they cost more? Will that be like a, a viewed as a premium product? Will they have a, a higher ticket price? I don't know. Uh, but it's certainly, as I say, it's not believed to be a move by Apple for any strong reason other than public relations. And the last story I have lined up for you, I, I did tell you there, there was nothing earth shattering. Unless we, oh, do we want to talk about the prank, the uh, the two-day FM prank on uh, the prince and princess what's their names in that hospital. I don't think we want to go there. So we, we won't talk about that. So so the last <laughs> the last story is, this is this is a funny story. I like it. iTunes was temporarily serving pornographic images to Russian users. Now you might be wondering, how does that work? Did someone take advantage of, I mean, obviously it wasn't Apple deliberately doing that. That's for sure. Well, you may recall a while ago the dot triple X domain went live, right? Dot XXX. Right? That went live not all that long ago. And it's to do with that. Now you might be wondering I how does that work? I mean, what's Apple got to do with the dot uh, XXX domain? Well <laughs> interestingly enough, the images that were that were being served were linked to the domain name XXX dot XXX. That's a valid domain name. It's it's been registered, right? So, for example, www.xxx.xxx. Uh, that sounds weird, by the way. But anyway, what's believed to have happened is that Apple had some placeholders in their in their uh, in their code for domains in their configuration that read xxx.xxx. Unfortunately, that is a real domain name. Uh, and of course, with a little clever hacking at the back end, you can easily. If code like that goes live, you can uh, easily have it serve up uh, pornographic images, regardless of the uh, the get request. So it's rather embarrassing, you know. Apple, sh- what Apple should have done is they should have used this is exactly why we have this. They should have used the example.com domain. That's exactly what it's there for. Example.com. And by the way, if you're listening to this and you've never heard of example.com, know this. If you're ever writing documentation or sample code or or doing a demo and you, and you want a sort of a uh, a hypothetical domain name or or a, or a placeholder, always use example.com and because that's what it's there for. That's what it's been set up for. No one can register it. It's for the purposes of this. And this is what Apple should have used. They should have used Apple, uh, sorry, example.com and replaced done the uh, appropriate replacements later. 
by using xxx.xxx, there is a risk that they for, that when they forget to uh, you know to uh, make the switch and you know replace it with the the proper domain, that uh, it actually tries to go out to that domain name uh, to get content, and then that's exactly what has happened. So rather embarrassing for you, Apple. Uh, they did fix the mishap. Apple hasn't yet given any details as to how it happened. So what I just described is is what some security researchers have uh, have speculated. If you like, they speculated that's what's happened. We don't know for sure, but it sounds pretty credible, pretty likely, and uh, hopefully Apple has learned its lesson. Example dot com. There you go. Remember it. It's uh, it's useful. That is all I had for you folks. That is all. I think things are tending to wind down a little bit before Christmas. We're, what, got a couple of weeks left, something like that. So, yeah, things are going to tend to wind down. In fact, we've only got one more show after this. Uh, so this is the penultimate show for the year. Next week is our is our final show for the year. But, of course, we ramp up again in January. So we will take a small hiatus over the Christmas period. And of course, down here in the uh, in the southern hemisphere, it is in the middle of summer, and uh, we we we're getting some very warm days. And so, of course, our Christmases tend to be barbecues and sitting out in the sun uh, and going to the beach and stuff like that. Stuff that uh, people in the northern hemisphere don't tend to associate with Christmas. And in fact, I work with a, a in fact I work with very few uh, people from from the southern hemisphere. They all tend to be from the Northern Hemisphere, and they a lot of them have commented on how it doesn't feel like Christmas to them. And I guess, when you think about it, they've grown up with Christmas, as probably most people listening to this very podcast, uh, you know, being in Europe and the, and the US, they've grown up with Christmas being the, you know, in, in the middle of winter, and of course the, the big heavy meals and the, the fire, and, you know, uh, the fireplace and things like that. And the snow, you know, white Christmases and whatnot. And that's what they associate with Christmas. And to them, it seems very odd having a warm, sunny, summer Christmas. But that's how it is in this part of the world. And in fact, I think it works the other way as well for us. I mean, when we go to the Northern Hemisphere and uh, it's freezing cold and snowing. And for us, I mean, that's not Christmas, is it? It's all relative. Anyway. On that note, I will leave you with that and see you again next week. In the meantime, take care and goodbye. This is The Boys of Tech, episode 195, for Monday the 8th, or perhaps the 10th, I'll go with the 10th, for Monday the 10th of December 2012. 